Hello, everyone, and welcome to Journey to Success Radio. My name is Tom Tutal Cunningham. I'm a Napoleon Hill Foundation certified instructor and resiliency expert, helping people to think, speak, and act positively through the many and varied challenges of life. You can find out more about me in this interview at my website, which is Tom, the number two, and Tall, T-A-L-L, Com. I'm very excited for uh, our guest today because her book is one of my favorites. Our guest uh, today is Amy Moran, and she's a licensed clinical social worker and psychotherapist. Since 2002, she's been counseling children, teens, and adults. She also works as an adjunct psychology instructor. She serves as About.com's parenting teens expert and child discipline expert. She is a Forbes contributor and her weekly column focuses on the psychological aspects of business. Her book, 13 Things Mentally Strong People Don't Do, is based on her internationally known viral blog post, which caught my eye when it first came out and I shared it on my blog. Her original list was read and shared by millions of people within a matter of days. It resonated so much with readers that it was picked up by Forbes, where it also received an additional 10 million views. Her book expands on her article by explaining how to avoid those 13 common pitfalls that can prevent us from reaching our full potential. She's the only person in the psychology industry talking about mental strength on a global level. She's been sought out by the media for her expertise in psychology, parenting, and mental strength, one of my favorite topics. Uh, some of the media outlets uh, have been uh, Parenting Time, Fox News, NBC, ABC, MSN, Lifetime Moms, and WeTV. Uh, a bunch of other things that she's doing, but uh, welcome to the show today, Amy. Oh, thank you for having me. Uh, as I mentioned, your original blog post was really caught my eye. Uh, anyone who's been uh, suffering from chronic pain like myself 24-7, head to toe since the age of five, learns about mental strength. And so uh, when I saw your original article, as I mentioned, I shared it on my blog post, and uh, I gather over 10 million people have now seen that original blog post, and then your book just expands on it and makes it even more clear why these 13 things are so important. So uh, I'm excited about your book, and I think, as am I right, is it just like launch today or tomorrow? Tomorrow, it officially hits the shelves. Nice. So uh, talk to me a little bit about uh, this uh, original blog post and the book and how it's really changed your life because obviously you've touched a chord that's affected a lot of people. Yeah, when I wrote my blog post, I certainly had no idea that it was going to go viral. It was one of those things. I wrote it, and I shut my computer, and I stepped away, and by the time I came back, my email was flooded, and there was lots of comments on this article already, and then it sort of just spiraled from there. And what most people didn't know was the story behind it. I had uh, right. gone through several losses in my life, and um, when I was 23, my mother had passed away, 
And then when I was 26, my husband had passed away. And both of them had died in very sudden and unexpected circumstances. And then last year, I found myself um, dealing with a pending loss. My, I had gotten remarried. Life was looking pretty good. And my father-in-law was diagnosed with terminal cancer. And unlike the last two losses in my life, which were just completely unexpected, this time I knew it was coming, and I knew what was going to happen, and I thought, you know, I don't want to go through this all over again. And I could easily see myself that I was going to start to feel sorry for myself. And so I sat down and I wrote this list as a reminder of to myself, don't do these 13 things. If, when you're going through all of this, as, as you're experiencing difficult times in life, if you feel sorry for yourself, if you avoid change, all sorts of things like that, it's going to be even tougher on yourself. So I had written it as a letter to myself and had no idea it was going to resonate so much with so many people. But before I knew it, it had exploded and created this viral storm and all sorts of people were talking about it and sharing it. And I thought, wow, it definitely resonated with other people, which was just an incredible experience. Exactly. And everybody is going to face various adversities and challenges in life. Uh, if you haven't already, well, <laughs> you're going to. And so these 13 things so much resonate. I love the first two. They don't waste time feeling sorry for themselves and they don't give away their power. And, uh, if since the age of five you've been suffering 24-7 pain in various severe levels uh, for 46 years, uh, you could feel sorry for yourself and you could just give in and say, okay, pain, you win. But uh, mentally tough people really don't feel sorry for themselves and they control power in their lives over the challenges that face them. And so maybe if you can, uh, did you put them in any order? Are those two the most important or are those two the ones that first came to your mind? Why are those the first two? Because those are ones that, when I first read those two, I'm like, okay, i got to read the other 11. Yeah, those are, I think, the first two that at that moment in my life when I wrote that, it was the two things that I think could have easily um I could have fallen prey to quite easily because, like you said, when you're going through something tough, we're tempted to exaggerate how bad it is. We can easily tell ourselves this is horrible. I can't stand this. It's not as bad as other people have it. Why should these things happen to me? And you start feeling sorry for yourself, which then sort of sets up this negative spiral. And the more you start to think like that, the worse you feel. And then the worse you feel, the less you want to do to fix the situation. And you sort of can get stuck. Yeah. And as far as giving away our power, I think it's really easy, again, when we're dealing with tough situations to then want to blame other people or blame circumstances and say it's not our fault or other people are making me feel bad or I just have a terrible life and that's why I get to be this way. We sort of look for excuses to justify our behavior. And so to to not get stuck in, in that is the reason that I really put those two things first was to remind myself, nope. <laughs> Even when you're going through something tough, your life's not that bad, and also you're in control of how you think, feel, and behave no matter what. Amen. And so one of the things I'm well known for is I always answer amazing when asked how I'm doing. Now, I don't do it for other people. 
I do it for myself because if, like today, I have one hip that is in excruciating pain. So saying amazing reminds me that I have control over how I feel. I'm not going to feel sorry for myself. And when I speak, I remind people that four out of ten people in the world live on less than $2 a day. And I live in Canada, a pretty amazing country. You live in the U.S., another pretty amazing country. So think of yourself complaining about the, today's challenge to someone who doesn't eat every day and can't feed their kids. Uh, how big does your challenge feel to you now? And what do you think that person thinks about you when you're complaining about their your challenge when they haven't eaten and they haven't fed their kids for probably a day or two? Uh, that's where you have to really intentionally be mentally strong and think of all the benefits you have. How do you get to be deserving to live in North America and someone else gets to live on $2 a day or less than that and feed their family and try to as well? So very important points, those first two. I'm going to go through a few of them. They don't shy away from change. They don't waste energy on things they can't control. They don't worry about pleasing everyone. That's a tough one. Uh, they don't dwell on the past. These are just some of them. And so how does the book uh, differ from the article? Obviously, from the article, you probably have to summarize some of these. But the book really goes into more in-depth, and it has some great stories and great quotes as well. Well, thank you. you know, the article, again, it was a letter to myself, so it was more of a reminder of, don't do these things. And I didn't offer any other tips about how not to do those things. And I'm a psychotherapist, so these are the things that I work with on a daily basis with clients and to help other people change the way they think, feel, and behave. And so the book really offers tips and exercises on how do you not do these things. And I think all of us are could easily fall prey to any of those 13 things at any given point in our lives. And so it's a matter of figuring out how to monitor and how to recognize when you're doing those and then how to change it. So the book really expands on the ways not to do those things and how to recognize when you're doing them, as well as it sort of explains how to how to build on building resilience, how to, how to create a life that will help you to not do those things in the future. And like you said, there's stories that sort of bring it to life to explain what happens to people when they do those things or how they avoid them in their life as well. And it's got different strategies for people to use so that when you recognize, okay, I'm falling prey to, say, feeling sorry for myself, then what can I do differently? And I'm a cognitive behavioral therapist, which means I help people change how they think and recognize behaviors that can hold them back. So the book really teaches people how do you recognize those things, how do you change what you can change, and how do you go forward in life so that you're prepared when bad things happen, but also that you can reach your full potential even when life is going well. Right, right. Uh, easier to use your full potential when life is going well, uh, but yeah, when the tough times come, and you almost have to pre-prepare for the tough times. Uh, because when the tough times come, if you haven't practiced or learned some of these already, it's a really tough time to to learn them, that's for sure. And uh, and so much of what I talk about is what you have in here as well. Um, 
we have 30 to 60,000 thoughts a day. So we talk to ourselves a lot. And that's where the control of our lives lies, is in those 30 to 60,000 thoughts. So if you can direct them in a positive direction rather than just letting life direct those thoughts for you, uh, that's where the key uh, to uh, really getting the most, as you said, out of tough times and good times in life are. So what are the, uh, some of the most common traps that you find your patients uh, falling into on this road to improving their mental strength? Um, people-pleasing is a big one. A lot of people have a really hard time knowing that somebody else is going to be mad at them or if they mm. think, if I say no to somebody, what if they don't like me anymore? And yep. so many people, I think, lose sight of what their values are and they, and they struggle to do what they think is right in life because they're so busy trying to always make sure that they're doing what they think other people want. And the truth is, number one, we can't actually make anybody feel anything. We can't make other people happy. And the second one is, is we're often making assumptions about what we think will make other people happy, but we don't know. And so it's very easy for so many people to get caught up in running around doing all these things for other people, thinking that they're making them happy, but really they're just sort of getting grumpy and resentful that they have to do all these things in life without recognizing what is it that I want and what what should I do to create the kind of life that I want to live versus just always saying yes to people or feeling like other people are taking advantage of me. Right, right, exactly. And so many people, I'm one of those people, I don't like it when people don't like me, but I'm at an age now that I realize (laughs) it's going to happen. And so that's a tough one for people to like, well, what if they don't like me? Uh, sometimes the things you're doing, yeah, if you're doing them for the wrong reasons, you're resenting it the whole time, makes you miserable, uh, you got to take control of <laughs> your life back, and you got to realize at some point not everybody's going to like you. That's an impossible task to even attempt. So that's a tough one for people for sure. Uh, so talk about some of the uh, these great people that you feature in the book that are living examples of mental strength because that's where and uh, that's where I really loved a lot of those things uh, those stories of people that are familiar names but not everybody knows the backstories behind them. Yeah, I tried to get a combination of sort of these historical figures and. Uh, famous people for one reason or another. Um, and like you said, some people may have heard their stories but may not have known the entire story. And then I got a combination of more local people, people I've met in real life, those sorts of things, to, to really bring some of those examples to life. And, of course, I guess as a Canadian, you obviously know the story of Terry Fox. Uh, I saw Terry my- Fox. It's just an incredible story, I think, you know, that he, um, after being diagnosed with cancer and losing his leg, that he then chose to run marathons on a daily basis. <laughs> I think it just is an incredible example of how most of us, our thoughts are, you can't do that. And he didn't think that way. He was able to say, you know, I can't, I can't beat cancer, but this is what I can do. And he chose to, to go out and run a marathon despite the fact that everybody thought he was crazy for trying to do that. And he did it right up until 
he got so sick that he couldn't do it anymore. And I think for all of us, the lesson is, you know, what can we do that we don't even imagine that we could do? And I think we limit ourselves so much by saying, oh, you can't do that. But um, he is just an incredible inspiration, I think, to show us you, you can do more than you think you can. Right. And for him to... He was the example of somebody that really focused on what they could control. You know, he couldn't control the cancer in his body, and he couldn't control the fact that there wasn't a cure, but he could certainly raise money. And obviously he did that, and even long after his death, he's still raising tons of money in his name. And so I think for for us to realize I could do amazing things with my life if I choose to do it, if I choose to think about all the things I can do and... Ignore the people that say, no, you probably can't do that. And you do it anyway. You can probably accomplish a lot more than you think you can. Definitely. And another person you write about is Walt Disney. Now, uh, I read about him just this year, about how uh, both the movie Fantasia and the Walt Disney World Entertainment Parks, his wife and his brother and his family fought against him vigilantly not to do either one of those things, thought it would, like, destroy the company. And so uh, Walt Disney is one of the great people you write about in this uh, book, and you can imagine uh, just having the point we talked about earlier, having people not like you. you got your own wife, brother, and family pleading with you not to bankrupt the company with these two decisions, and uh, good thing you didn't listen to them. Yeah, that's just it, and I think so many people don't realize that he didn't become an instant success. No, <laughs> he didn't. And over, and so many of his cartoons didn't work out, and they didn't. He wasn't successful, and he did have financial problems over and over again, but he still figured out how to keep going despite all of that, and I think that's another extremely valuable lesson we could all learn from is how do you pick yourself up after failure? How do you learn from your mistakes and move forward? And how do you go on even when other people are saying, no, maybe you shouldn't do that. But if you feel passionately about it, how do you make that decision about whether to move forward or not? Right. And uh, nobody remembers uh, Walt Disney's failures now, uh, or they don't talk about it much. Uh, So, yeah, everybody goes through these failures. Sometimes we... You know, we think of these famous people. We see speakers, authors, entertainers, and we don't know the challenges that they had to go through to get where they are. So the stories in there are great. You feature uh, Milton Hershey. Oh, I love Hershey chocolates. I have seven Hershey's Milton Hershey's hugs every night. Uh, Count seven out and I eat them. And so I love Milton Hershey's story. You talk about Walt Disney, Richard Branson, Oprah. Who's Jeremiah Denton? Remind me of that one, please. Um, He was a POW, and he was taken captive with several other men, and he was the commander um, during World War II. And the... Japanese were going to use him as a, for a propaganda video. And while they were doing so, he managed to blink the words torture with the Morse code to let the U.S. know that he was being tortured over there. And after all of this, he was over there for a long time, treated terribly. But the 
story goes is that when he stepped off the plane back in the U.S., he just talked about his gratitude about being able to serve his country rather than focus on all the time that he'd lost and all the terrible things that had happened to him. He was able to say how fortunate I am that I was able to serve America and that I could fight for my country and went on to do even more incredible things um, in government after he came back. But wasn't a man who felt sorry for himself in any way, shape, or form, or and didn't certainly didn't even give his captives power over him, despite the fact that you know they were torturing him. But he was definitely somebody I think that's an incredible example of mental strength because he was able to stay so positive despite all of that. Where I think most of us it would be so easy to fall prey to thinking, why did these things happen to me? This isn't fair. I've lost time in my life people are terrible but he didn't it didn't seem to change his thinking he stayed mentally strong despite all of that yeah wow incredible story and that is like the toughest situation you probably will ever face and to remain positive in that uh, situation is hard to understand so now uh uh, I've been called Mr. PMA. I'm very, very positive, but it took me a long time to v- develop a prev- prevalent positive attitude, and it's still a battle every day to stay positive. It's not a battle, but it, you have to focus on it every day. So what are some of the factors at play that determine the ease at which people develop mental strength? Yeah, it depends on a lot of things. So for some people, it certainly does come easier. If somebody tends to be a little more optimistic by nature, then it can be easier to see the good in life. And so the factors really are um, your life experiences. For people where maybe they had an easier childhood, it can be easier then to see the world as a as a more positive place or to see things more realistically. Somebody that had a really rough childhood or had a lot of problems growing up may grow to see the world as a bad place. They may have more difficulty trusting people. They may have more more problems thinking realistically. Um, somebody, say, that was verbally abused or told, you're stupid every day of your life. It's harder than as an adult to think, no, I'm not. I'm smart enough or I'm good enough. And so that's certainly one factor is our life experiences, whether it be childhood or even the experiences that we've had in adulthood. And, for example, if somebody tries for a promotion and they get it the first time, you might then think, wow, you know, I'm really good at what I do. If you've tried for a promotion three times and you didn't get it, then it becomes easier to think, maybe I'm not that good, Mm. which may or may not be true. But to develop realistic thinking um, can be complicated a lot by our circumstances, sort of if everything works out well the first time or if it doesn't, it really clouds the way we see the world, obviously. And so to be able to figure out what's realistic, because I think it's great to be positive, but some people also err on the side of being overly positive. If we always expect everything to work, if you think, I'm going to nail this job interview tomorrow and it won't be a problem, then maybe you don't prepare for it. So then you walk in there just assuming you're going to get the job, and which that isn't helpful either. Instead, we need that balance of being a realistic thinker and to Error on the side of optimism is great, but to be overly optimistic certainly isn't helpful either. And so that's one factor. And certainly the people that we have in our lives is another factor of developing mental strength. 
just surrounded by helpful, positive people who are cheering you on and they're on your team, that's a wonderful thing, and it can certainly make hard times a lot easier to get through versus somebody that's in a terrible situation, somebody that doesn't have a lot of friends, somebody that is maybe in an abusive relationship. It's a lot harder to think realistically and to think positively in a helpful manner when when you've got all this other stuff going on. So certainly the external factors we have going on in our lives can be a huge factor in how easy or difficult it is to develop mental strength as well. And, you know, I think depending on sort of our overall stress level, if, if you're working so hard that you're trying to just feed your children, it's harder than to think about your self-growth and and what do you want to accomplish today when you're so busy just sort of doing everything you need to to survive. And so obviously it's easier when you have enough time to breathe, relax, and to focus on yourself rather than just feeling like you're the hamster caught in the wheel all the time. Yeah, exactly. Uh, And, uh, yeah, too positive an attitude, uh, that can get you into trouble, and that's something I've learned. Be realistic, like things are going to happen. But if you can be mentally tough no matter what happens through any circumstance, good or bad, that's where it's valuable. But to have a positive, I'm always going to succeed attitude, that's bound to (laughs) be hard to live with. And so good point on that one. And so now uh, after people have read the book, I read the book last week. I tried to review it on Amazon, but it's not released yet. So today, or when is it again? Today or tomorrow? Tomorrow. Tomorrow. The 23rd, you can buy the book on Amazon, but it's better. Uh, isn't it better to buy it off your website? Will you be able to autograph it or do anything special for people that get it from your site? I, I don't sell it directly from my site. My site just directs people to all the stores that sell it. Okay. So the website I'm sending people to online is... Uh, your name, which is somewhat easy, A-M-Y-M-O-R-I-N, but then you have all these initials after, lcsw.com. Right. Since a licensed clinical social worker. Very good. So Amy Moran, lcsw.com. The book is on there. You can find it on Amazon as well. I'm going to be one of the first people to review it. So it was kind of cool to... uh, I love getting books before they're officially released. makes me feel kind of important. So Amazon... Hey? It's special when you can be one of the first people to read it, right? Exactly. I'm reading something other people don't have access to, but they want it, obviously. Ten million views for a blog post like... For someone who blogs, my heart beats pretty fast when I see 10 million views. It's like, what would I have to write to get 10 million views? And so powerful, powerful. This is like the most, the best social proof of why you should get this book. 10 million people looked at this blog on these 13 points, and these go into the book goes into more detail. So 13 things mentally strong people don't do. Can get it on Amazon. You could just look up Amy online, Amy A M Y, and Mora M O R I N. 
one of my great family friends is named Maura, so I know how to pronounce that name well. And French Canadians, too, they know how to pronounce that well. And so, uh, yeah, thank you so much for this book, uh, Amy. It's going to impact a ton of people, uh, a ton of people you'll probably never meet. And think of what you can help people do through this book. Um, being mentally strong is probably one of the key things that you need in this life uh, to do well when you're doing well and to do well when things are tough. And so uh, rush out uh, and order this book. I, you don't even have to rush out. You can order it online. So hurry up and order the book. Uh, you'll love it. 13 Things Mentally Strong People Don't Do. Thanks so much uh, uh, for your time today, uh, Amy. Uh, any final uh, thoughts on uh, maybe what people can do after they've read the book uh, to make sure that they re- maintain their mental strength? Yeah, I, well, I think that's key. I think a lot of people read a self-help book. You feel great while you're reading it, and you think, yeah, this is going to be helpful. And then you put the book down and step away from it, and then your life doesn't change. It's not magical. And so I think to be able to use it as a reference for your life rather than just something that you read in a couple of hours, but to say, okay, how do I go back to these things in life? How am I going to be my own coach to make sure that I'm building mental strength every single day? And I equate it to physical strength as well, that if you talk to a trainer for an hour or you read a book on how to get healthy, your physical health doesn't change. You're not going to build physical muscles. It's something that you need to do every day to build on and to get better and to stay strong. And so I think that would be my biggest takeaway for people is is I I guarantee you my book isn't going to be what's going to change your life. It's got to be you who implements the exercises and chooses to make those changes, but that you can do it as long as you keep working on your strengths on an everyday basis. Everyday basis. You have those thirty to 60,000 thoughts every day. And if you're not diligent about manage, managing those thirty to 60,000 thoughts, the world is going to put a lot of crap in there, stuff that's not going to help you at all. And so you have to be diligent daily to manage these thirty to 60,000 thoughts. And if you do, if you are able to manage them, you'll have more joy, more happiness, more satisfaction out of life, no matter what comes your way and that's very valuable isn't it yes it absolutely is if you can keep working on that every day and you make sure that you're just monitoring those thoughts and changing those thoughts it just absolutely change your life it will it will and it's a <laughs> it's a daily thing you got to do so well, thank you so much amy i'm excited one of the first people to Uh, review the book, to get the book, and you know I'm going to be telling people about it. It's something that resonated so well with me and tens of millions of other people. So again, 13 things mentally strong people don't do. You can get it on Amazon. You can look just look up Amy online, A-M-Y, last name M-O-R-I-N, 
and uh, you'll find her. Uh, so you won't have to remember the initials, but you'll find her online uh, uh, as well, and the book is there. Uh, thank you so much for being with me today, Amy. That uh, It's exciting for me to interview you, and it was exciting for me to read that blog post and then go through the book. I will be commenting on Amazon and letting people know this is a powerful book. They need to have it. Well, thank you so much for having me. Have an amazing day. Take care. Thank you. You too. Bye.